You're listening to an ELN podcast. So hello everyone. Today we're discussing about uh, the demand flexibility service, which was uh, rolled out on Monday and on Tuesday. Uh, was put in place uh, by National Grid uh, ESO, uh, of course, encouraging customers to cut their uh, energy uh, usage, incentivizing them uh, with uh, some uh, payments. Uh, and to discuss about this scheme, we have uh, Chris uh, Broadhurst, uh, which is uh, Chief Commercial Officer at Electron, a leading tech uh, company which provides a marketplace uh, platform for, for flexible electricity grids. Uh, hello, Chris, how are you? Hey, yeah, doing great. Great to meet you. Thank you very much uh, for joining Energy Live News. So, uh, Chris, let's start with uh, this uh, scheme. What are your thoughts about uh, the rollout, the first live uh, rollout of demand flexibility uh, service? And I just want to ask you, uh, did you have the chance to uh, be invited to uh, participate in uh, this scheme? So we've just moved house recently, so I'm still waiting for our meter to get upgraded to a smart meter. So I couldn't take part this time, but I've got some friends and family that, that did take part. What are your thoughts about uh, this scheme and who do you think is going to benefit uh, from this scheme and how beneficial it would be in the long term? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really great step forwards. I think for customers um, this time around, I don't think it's going to make a huge dent on their energy bills. So speaking to, to friends and family, it seems to be around five to 10 pounds per event that they take part in. Some are a lot lower than that, some a bit higher than that. Depends on what you use at home and, and how your usage uh, plays out over time. So in total over the winter, maybe it works out to be 50 to 100 pounds um, for a household, which isn't uh, nothing and it will help towards energy bills. But I think it's really just the, the start of being smarter about how we use energy and how we can help the grid uh, be balanced and to, to be better with supply. You know, there are uh, some out there already that, you know, they have raised concerns about uh, whether uh, this scheme could uh, provide a long-term solution, uh, you know, for uh, the energy supply concerns um, in the UK. A couple of days before, an energy company said that the demand flexibility service is a sticking cluster and probably the UK should invest more in energy efficiency rather than these kind of uh, schemes. Uh, what's your take on that? Yeah, so I think the key thing to remember is it is just scratching the surface of what's possible um, if we can move to a more local approach to flexibility, then I think we can really start to drive value uh, to customers. So not just for when they use it, which is how the scheme is currently working, but where they use it. Uh, and they'll get paid real, real value for that. There was a study run by Energy Systems Catapult that looked at how much value we could create for customers if we move to a much more local approach to matching supply and demand and pricing energy locally. And it identified, I think, more than 30 billion uh, pounds by 2035. So that would be a thousand pounds per household. So I think this isn't the, the end or this isn't the only solution. I think this is the beginning. So it's really encouraging to see um, us move in this direction. But if, if we can take it further, I think there's a lot more we can do. And it will go beyond just the, the sticking plaster at that point. What do you feel that it is needed right now in terms of energy infrastructure to help the UK hit its uh, net zero targets? Yeah, so I think there's a really great analogy for the problem we're facing and why, you know, why this is so relevant uh, right now. So if you think about the early days of the internet, um, this was all about bandwidth 
and we started with dial-up, then we moved to to broadband, and then we moved to uh, now fiber optic. And in the same way that the internet changed the world by making supplying information free, renewable generation can do the same thing by making the supply of energy free. The challenge for us is how do we solve that bandwidth problem? And it is exactly the same as, as the internet. We have to increase the bandwidth so that more energy can flow through the system. And as we get more things like electric vehicles and heat pumps and solars and wind farm, the flow of energy is gonna get more complicated. So in the simplest sense, it's a bandwidth problem. So programs like the DFS help because they help manage that bandwidth problem. But again, it's really just scratching the surface. And the reason, the reason for that is that whereas with the internet, the problem was just bandwidth, with energy, it's also about balancing the grid too. So if you upload too much data to the internet or you upload way more than you download, the internet still works just fine. But if you generate too much energy and there isn't enough demand there to take it, the lights go out. And so at the moment, we are turning off wind farms when it's windy because we can't, I say we, the grid is unable to handle um, that level of generation. To, to solve that problem, it's definitely an infrastructure problem. We need to dig up the roads, uh, uh, reforce the network and lay more cables. And because of this added complexity of bandwidth and balancing, that can take years and billions of pounds to do. And so this is why programs like the DFS are really interesting because they're not physical infrastructure initiatives. They're using the existing grid and allowing consumers and generators to take part to manage within the constraints of the grid. So it's a really exciting uh, opportunity uh, to kind of circumvent or get around this problem of bandwidth without having to invest and wait for those physical uh, physical, uh, physical upgrades. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah I think that uh, most of the people would say that uh, probably uh, this uh, demand flexibility service is a cost-effective solution right now uh, for all this uh, that is happening in the energy uh, sector with uh, energy uh, prices going up. Uh, but I suppose a lot of people think that being asked or incentivized to reduce uh, their energy use is a bad thing. There has been a lot of press coverage recently about the system that has been put in place to try to make sure that we don't end up in a situation where uh, there are electricity blackouts. So people might think they are not in a good situation when they are asked to reduce uh, their energy. Do you think that in a net zero world, uh, being in one flexible uh, you know, system, uh, these kind of schemes would be something like normal yeah, exactly. So this this goes to the point about bandwidth. So at the moment, we're just asking customers to turn down their consumption so that we can alleviate straining uh, the grid. So that, that's good. But in the future, if we can really focus on flexibility at a local level, when, the, when it's very windy and wind farms are generating excess energy that's essentially abundant now and free, rather than turning it off, we could ask customers to start consuming more and being paid to take that excess energy, clean renewable energy off the grid and preventing a, a wind farm from shutting down. So it's, it's this shift from quite a top-down approach and just the tip of the iceberg to really enabling that local flexibility where customers, uh, renewable asset owners 
and everything in between can really start to take part and be incentivized and paid for that. And that's where the real opportunity is. So this is a good step forwards, but what we need to do is push it further and treat this as a whole system problem. Grace, thank you very much, very much for your time. It was really a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Energy Live News podcast. Please follow us on social media and subscribe to the website at www.energylivenews.com.